0: 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as we press on, 16 through 18 is our study. Let's pray (laughs) real hard and then read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, in this day and this age with so much happening, so much information and so much of it, misinformation. Father, I think about our our heartaches, our our trials, our tribulations, our sufferings, our stresses, our anguish. Father, our physical ailments, our spiritual ailments, our emotional ailments. And yet, Father, I look at my brother Paul. And Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters this day will look at our brother Paul. And say, truly, truly, we shall follow. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Father, first and foremost, each and every one of us, give us humble hearts. That we understand it is not the vessel. It is the treasure to Christ and Christ alone. Amen. 16 through 18 of chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparisons. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. Things which are not seen are eternal, I kind of laid a foundation for this um, last week that it is kind of paul 's spiritual secrets for enduring and and, and if you 're really honest i mean a, a cursory study of the apostle paul 's life okay i 'm not talking deep theological i got a book in there in my office it 's about that thick on the apostle paul and and you know, a lot of it is just basically the history of the age and how this guy probably was trying to get in and out of it. But if you're really consistent with Scripture and his writings, it's, how do you get known as the apostle who wrote the prison epistles? I wrote the prison letters. Okay, he's not writing to prisoners. I'm in prison and I got nothing to do. So I might as well. Right. Okay. I mean, you know, sign me up for that ministry. He is an example of endurance. Okay. And and, and I want us to understand something about this. We have a tendency today to look at people who we quote unquote would say endure, but, but they're just optimist. Okay. I'm they, not really sure that they're living in reality. Okay. Because look what's going on around him. Uh, I get accused occasionally uh, uh, of being a Tigger personality. Does everybody know who Tigger is? T.I. Double g Okay. He's my hero. I want to be like Tigger when I grow up because Tiggers bounce. All right. But they say, well, but you don't really have a grasp on reality. Why? Right, because you just, you're always kind of. Ding. All right. Is that what it is? I look at the Apostle Paul and I see a tigger personality. He bounced. He was unstoppable. And it didn't really matter what came to him. He endured. He suffered. I mean, he suffered. Okay. And yet, if you look at his suffering he always had a, a triumphant victory every time every time history records it over and over and over and over we now listen everyone in this room right now thinks that our turmoil our suffering is unique you just don't understand what I'm going through, right? You don't understand my coworkers. You don't understand my spouse. You, you don't understand my children. You, you, you just don't understand. I've got car problems. I've got people problems. I've got job problems. I mean, everywhere I look, you don't understand you and that goofy T.I. double girl thing. Truth is, brothers and sisters. Same age old suffering. Did you realize there is nothing new? It may be new to you. (laughs) But it's not new. Everyone has gone through it or will go through it or is on the way through it. And I don't care what it is. We don't understand. My loved one isn't this or my child isn't that or I don't know about this. And I'm planning that. And this ain't coming together. And How'd you like spent three years planning a church only to have the whole city come as a riot against you and scatter your complete team? you get out of the town by the hair of your chinny chin chin and a door for the gospel is open for you in Troas and yet you are so disquieted about what is happening there is no peace in your spirit and you go on to Macedonia and only there do you run in to Titus and you find comfort try that in a church plant I was there for three years and started a riot We're all out of there. I was planted at church and I was over there for like three months. And they took one of the Christians hostage and threatened to kill him unless I got out of town. That's tough stuff right there. We should all we should identify with Paul's victory it's, you know, I kind of look at this and as I look at it, it's sort of like uh, the people on the highway when there's an accident. Okay, I'm talking about the other direction of traffic. Why do they back up? Because they're all looking at what? Pain and suffering? What are you you trying to do? What what do we do that for? We have a tendency to want to dwell on the, the bad things, the tragedies. And we usually hang out there. It's fun. Why? It's easy. You don't understand. Paul had learned how to endure it. Okay? Now listen, I want to be specific about this. I'm not talking about people who get through it. Okay. I'm talking about people who have gone through it, but were victorious all the way through it. There was a triumph. It was like l- going through the great parade of victory. That's how Paul did it. I and mean, we've all been drugged through it. I made it. I suffered for Jesus. I had heartache, I had turmoil, I had, you don't know, the pain I've had. I remember early in my ministry, everybody that I had taken on as a disciple died. And I kept thinking, hmm, <laughs> am I the cause of the rapture? <laughs> I, I share they die. <laughs> Next! Next! <laughs> Paul learned how to endure it. Suffering by any human measure, Paul would be in the severe column. Okay? It's something that I have I have found and I've had this discussion just this week over uh, quote-unquote saved people. Okay? And, and the statement was made in just... Uh, anyway. If you confess with your lips... That Jesus is Lord. You shall be saved. Do you believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. Because see it is out of the mouth. Speaks the heart. Well you know that's. uh, 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 Stop right there. If I truly believe God raised him from the dead, what problem do I have? Just curious. I mean, he's only raising the dead. Okay? And your problem is what? Okay? You see what I'm trying to get at? And we had this discussion, and I, I sat there, and, and, and I tried not to blow a head gasket. Uh, I, I think I was, I might have blown some steam, but I didn't blow a head gasket. But I, I, I thought, you know what? The trouble in the church today is, is that if I say this prayer, if you know, Jesus is Lord. Listen, I've been on construction site. Everybody there is saved because they all calling on Jesus. I'm thinking it ain't working. Let me ask you a question. We all believe that we are saved by grace through faith. Right? If you don't believe that, then we talk later. Okay, but right. All right. And grace is unmerited favor. So you can't do nothing to get yourself saved because it's all by grace. Right? We all agree. Amen. All right. I have a question for you. Why did Jesus tell his disciples to count the cost? A man does not build a tower unless he figures the cost so that he doesn't run out of money to build his tower. So which is it? Is it by grace or count the cost? Yes, I share that because when I came to salvation, I was expecting a bed of roses. I had already been through the ringer. I had dug myself a Ooh, hole. And God says, you're out of it. And I'm like, oh, I'm an heir of the king. Dude, palaces, chariots, this is going to be great. Within eight months, everything I own sat in the seat next to me in a Toyota pickup. And I'm thinking, Lord, I could have done this. You're not helping here. Why? Because nobody ever told me, have you ever counted the cost? The Apostle Paul understood the cost of discipleship. Because discipleship says, I'm going to be a learner. The problem with being a learner is, you got a whole bunch of information stacked up in front of it that has to be blown up. So you can start understanding the truth. Paul's suffering cannot compare to any of us in this room. You could put all of us together in this room and our suffering, all in one big basket, and our suffering doesn't compare to the Apostle Paul. Therefore, the Apostle Paul becomes the best example of endurance. He endured, I would argue, Scripture would argue, the most suffering. If that's true, then we should be okay. We should be okay. I hear terms of, I am depressed. I hear terms of fearful. I know people in the body of Christ who are indifferent. I have heard burnout. Uh, one of the pastors I met with in the last few months told me that part of the reason he took his church, it's a pretty good-sized church, five, six hundred people, is that they promise him every two years to have a three-month sabbatical because he needs to refresh. Really? Are you hiring? <laughs> so, so, I'll tell you what, I'll fill in for you for the three months and I'll take the rest of time off. <laughs> okay? But he says, well, but you don't understand the human body. And I was like, but I do understand Paul. Okay? I know people who walk with Christ for a few times. Uh, There's a couple of people in this room that I know right now. I'm not going to look up because everybody think I'm looking at them. (laughs) That have invested their lives in people to only see them walk away and quit. Okay. And you know what? Usually the first one is the hardest. Okay. Um, But then all of a sudden you realize the second one. Man, that ain't much fun either. And then third or fourth or whatever person, and you've taken time out of your life. I'm busy, busy, busy. To invest in these people, only to have them just walk away, quit. They just quit. I know people right now in this town who call me their pastor, and I probably haven't seen them in 15 years. Which is kind of weird. Kind of weird. But in every case, I have spent time with them. I did invest in them. I tried to pour the word into them. And they walk away. They quit. They have no endurance. They did not remain as we looked at last week. We need to learn from Paul. I honestly cannot imagine the suffering of Paul. You know, I look at 2 Corinthians and I say, you know, man, his daily concern for the church, and I'm not even sure that the church wasn't his biggest pain in life. No one I know has walked in the turmoil that Paul did. I don't know anybody. I know a guy... Who was hung by his elbows this way? Okay. Knee deep water hanging by his elbows this way. Okay? From a pipe. Five years. They would come in and feed him. And the water literally took off, dissolved the outer covering of his skin so all that's out there now is nerves okay and he did it for preaching the gospel and he learned how to tap his head on the pipe behind his shoulders and through morse code could send the gospel through the pipes and the tappings He still didn't suffer like Paul suffered. Now, the first time I met him, he's got this really nice suit on. He comes out from behind the pew (laughs) and the pants on come to here. And you're like, huh, (laughs) bad tailor. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and I asked him, I said, dude, you know, nice jacket, nice vest, shirt, tie. What's with the shorts? Because, you know, me. Well, don't make sense. And he explained it to me. And I was like, wow. He said, but God was merciful. Really? (laughs) Okay. But he said said that he knows three different people who who tapped back on the pipe because they could do it a little crisper and louder that they had received Jesus Christ as their Lord and had come to repentance. And they were in jail cells. And he says, uh, as far as he knows, they were probably executed. So I'll wait and see them in glory. And you just sit there and go, hmm. There you go. And then I hear people say, "Well, you don't understand, I'm burnout. Burnout. Let me take you to the, our brother Paul, because I want you to think about some things. If you go to First Corinthians chapter four, I'll remind you of these things. Verses nine and 10. For I think God has exhibited us, apostles, last of all. Does it find that fascinating? I know people right now who want to be apostles. They believe that there is a new office of apostles. We have apostolic churches now because our pastor is an apostle. Paul here says, I believe God is showing off the apostles as last. God has exhibited the apostles. Last of all, as men what? Sign me up for the ministry. Can I be an apostle? I'm just going to kill you. Because we have become what? Spectacles. You know what that means? (laughs) Look. That's one of them crazy apostles. You know what he's saying? The world thinks we're fools. But then look what he says. Both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. You ever thought about that? That's Paul's ministry. The angels mock us. Man mock us. The whole world system thinks we are foolish. To this present hour, we are hungry, we're thirsty, we are poorly clothed, we are roughly treated and are homeless. We toil, working with our own hands, and when we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure, we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become, my translation calls it the scum Of the world. The literal term in the original language is the sewage treatment plant. People don't even want to be close to it. We are the scum of the world, the dregs of all things. This is Paul we're talking about here, people. The apostle. To the Gentiles. You know, it's amazing to me because in that text right there, I'm looking at the public opinion of the Apostle Paul. You're a sewage treatment plant, boy. You got nothing. Except an odor. You are the dregs. The homeless are a step above you. You got this crazy Jesus thing going on. What's the matter with you? Look around. And I look at the public opinion of Paul and you sit there and go, well, all right, he's preaching truth. It's sinfulness of man. I can see where... Society kind of gets cranky about it, but you know what? There was even those in the church who felt that way about him. Remember what we're looking at in Second Corinthians? He's nothing to look at. His writings are wordy, but he can't speak. Go over to Second Corinthians chapter one. Second <clears throat> Corinthians one. Verse 8, I'll remind you of this one. We don't want you to be unaware. Remember that statement? We don't want you to be unaware, brethren. Of what? Our affliction. Which came to us in Asia, and we were burdened excessively. Okay? Now, I guarantee you, everybody in this room, at some point or other, says, I'm just carrying the weight of the world right we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life you got that that's a serious burden that guys carrying indeed we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we we're not trusting ourselves but in God who raises the dead Says, I don't want you to be unaware about this. I've had to carry a burden, a serious burden, a heavy burden. Go over to chapter 6, 2 Corinthians. Here's the Apostle Paul now. I want you to remember who we're talking about here. This is a man who's telling you and I this is ministry. Verse ten: As sorrowful yet rejoicing, some of us in this room have had a, had an opportunity to pour ourselves into other people, okay, to invest into other people, okay, and and it and, and it usually those events are one on one. I mean, I mean you, you you have I guess it'd be a bible study but 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 it's an intimate relationship because you start walking with that individual okay um I can honestly say um, um <laughs> I haven't been real successful with it but somewhat but you know I have a dear brother who's in glory right now that we met every Thursday. And that was a blast uh, because it was back and forth and back and forth. And um, I just had a good time with it. And there's been a few other, But I know some of you who have done the same thing. And, and all of a sudden, they'll just walk away. Something happens. Um, you know, I know some of the women in this church have taken on single mothers and have them walk away. They, why? Well, usually it's because they have found a man. <laughs> usually... Um, Actually, I think every time. But anyway, <laughs> I think it's about 100% on that. But, but, but we, we just sit there and we think, wow, that, was that just like a waste of time? But the Apostle Paul says, you know what? I am sorrowful in that, and yet I rejoice. And I thought, well, how in the world do you pour yourself into a person just to have them walk off? I didn't say rejoicing. Well, maybe they're just a little cranky person and they're out of my life now. <laughs> no, you know what it was? I remember early in my ministry that there were times that I would come back to church on Sunday nights. And nobody would show up. And, you know, you'd sit there and you say, all right, we'll give them a half an hour. And, you know, they are Baptist. They're usually 30 minutes late. But anyway. But then it dawns on me these days that I say, you know what? God allowed me that time to study so that his word would take root in my life. Okay, and when we do that, then I can look at the sorrow and say, but I can rejoice over the sorrow because God was still working, even if it was just in me. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about I want to pour myself into another person that I, I remember when I was taught and, and ended up as the, as the preacher? the pastor invested in me and he kept saying that I was his Timothy okay and 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 he would pour himself into me and we met um, you know we had our normal church days, but we met probably three or four times more a week just to you know, banter things around. I mean, we did silly stuff like go to a movie and but in, even in the movies we would sit and talk about theology and drive, it is nuts. Anyway, but we, that's what we did. And so all of my life I've always been saying, well, who is my Timothy? And I, I, there has probably been a two dozen or three dozen guys that I was convinced are my Timothy. And what I mean by Timothy is exactly what Paul means by Timothy. I'm out of here, and this place doesn't miss a beat. That's what I mean. My race is run, I step into glory, and the person that I have invested in just walks right in and just keeps right on going. That's what I'm talking about. And all I can say is uh, sorrow. It's just sorrow. And yet I can look at it and say there's a rejoicing there because I did what I was commanded to do. Isn't that good? Can I rejoice even though I am sorrowful? Poor. And yet making many rich. Paul didn't have anything. And yet what was he doing? He was only given the treasures of the kingdom of heaven. That's all. Making many rich. Having nothing yet possessing all things. I am an heir to the creation. And yet I have nothing here. That's what the apostle Paul is trying to tell us. Because see here's what you and I do. You and I... And, and I love you. We want instant gratification. Just like that. Why? I did this. Why didn't this happen? Back up a little bit. Verse 8. By glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's what he's up against. The word of truth, the power of God, verse seven, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report, by good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true as unknown, yet well known as dying. Yet behold, we live as punished, yet not put to death. Okay, do you understand what I'm trying to get to you? This is a man who's carrying a burden that you and I don't understand. I guarantee you, every one of you who have stepped into the service of the Lord Jesus Christ has had sorrow, have been called a deceiver, have had heartache. You could go through every one of them, but I guarantee you, there are few in this room who could say, but I rejoiced. evil report? Jeez. Evil report? Really? And yet, I'm only called by God. So you can call whatever report you want. Verses 4 and 5. Everything, but in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God in much endurance. There's the word. In affliction... In hardship, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, and in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in genuine love. That is much endurance. Okay, over to chapter 7, verse 5. For even when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Now, listen, every one of us in this room can argue, attest to, there has been times when our flesh tends to be a pain. Okay? We looked at it in our Sunday school class. The flesh and the spirit really just don't get along. Right? Okay, but if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the things of the flesh. All right, well, well, yeah, I'm I'm in. That makes sense to me. Okay, but you and I, I guarantee you, when you look at what you say is your spiritual conflict with yourself, is really some of the most petty stuff that has ever walked the planet. You don't understand. My job isn't this, or I haven't got that, or I haven't married this, or I haven't a child for that, or my grandbaby ain't this, or this ain't that. And I'm sitting there going, really? Really? That's it. That's the turmoil in our lives. We came to Macedonia and I had our flesh had no rest. We were afflicted on every side, conflicts without and fears within. This is a man having to endure. Chapter 11. Beginning at verse 23. uh, I would classify this section of scripture. and I'll get into it more in in the months to come. um, As the testimony of Paul's ministry. Okay. Beginning in verse 23 right there. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. And far more labors, far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Now you think about that for a second. Have you stepped into the ministry often in danger of death? Only rush hour traffic. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from the rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the cities, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have labored and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and in thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure on me. Of the concern for all of the churches. Who is weak without being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast on that pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. That's tough stuff right there, brothers and sisters. And do you realize that what he was doing and what he was suffering right there was for you and me? Okay? Now then, I want to conclude his life with this thought. Last letter the Apostle Paul ever wrote is 2 Timothy. Okay? History tells us there was a prison just outside of Rome called the Mamantine Prison. And what they did is they had jail cells was stone-laid, round... And they had, at different points, and basically there was a hole in the top of it, and they would take the prisoner, just drop the prisoner down in a hole. And there was no way that the prisoner could get up out of that hole. But he could have visitors, and somebody could stand up there and look in that hole, and they could talk to each other. But it was basically a round, almost like a cistern thing. Okay? Now, some of them were a little farther from the river than others. Okay, Those were the prisoners who were looking at some type of Judgment against them that they would end up doing prison time or labor work or something like that But as you got over by the river, those are the ones who were had a sentence of death on their head Okay And what was amazing about these is they had the ability to have a a wood plank door Like you'd build a, a barrel out of a wine barrel out of and if they had too many condemned men They could slide that door open, and the sewage system of Rome would literally do, if you go look at your toilet when you flush it, it does what? It spirals. And they could slide that door open, and they would flush out that cell. And the bodies of those men would end up in the sewage, drowned, and float off someplace. But that's if the courts felt like, well, we just can't get these done and... Uh, you know we're not going to be able to execute these people, and so the Apostle Paul was in one of those cells, waiting, and he was finally beheaded. And they, didn't, they didn't flush him. Okay, that's where the Apostle Paul is when he writes this letter, Second Timothy. Okay. Chapter 4, verse 16. At my first defense, what happened? No one supported. You ever thought about that? That is one of the most haunting verses that I have ever come across to think of the Apostle Paul in the Mammothine prison preparing to die. And his first appearance before the magistrate, no one, no one was there on behalf of the Apostle Paul. All deserted me. May it not be counted against them. And I mean, we can sit there and tout it, but the Lord stood with me. Did you think about that for a second of all the people's lives that that man affected during his earthly ministry. And at his condemnation, where were they? If you back up a little bit, I see something that I'm glad it happens before this verse. When I look at the Apostle Paul standing before the magistrate in Rome for his life. He knows that it's for his life. And he says, nobody was there on my defense. Well, the Lord strengthened me. Well, yeah, it would have to been the Lord strengthening him or he wouldn't say don't count it against them. Because if the Lord wasn't strengthening me and I was in his position right there, I'm saying, line them up, God. I'm judging with you and I want that group. That's the way I'd look at it. And I know none of you guys would ever feel that way. But if the Lord strengthens me, I can say, hey, you know what? Don't hold it against them. But I want to show you something here because this one has always been amazing to me. Verse 6. comes before, and I think it's appropriate. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. You don't know, understand the drink offering, right? In the sacrificial system, okay, people would come in. all right? they'd, they'd come in and they'd have the animals they're sacrificing for whatever sin or um, atonement that they're looking for. And they would have a, a cistern of wine and it would get mingled with the blood of the animals just over the course of just bloody hands and bloody knives and things like that. At the end of the offering... Okay, everybody's done. The offering gate is closed. Okay? The last thing that they would do is they would take that... that It's it's a big basin. And they would pour it onto the altar to put the fire out. Okay? And you put that on there, what do you get? Big old cloud of steam that rises to heaven as an offering of wine and blood to God. And the Apostle Paul says. I'm not even an animal. I'm just. A at the conclusion of the event. Remember what he said in 1 Corinthians. We are exhibited as. Last we apostles. And so at the end of his race. He says. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, the time of my departure is near. He's already understood it, that I've already been in front of the judge, and guess what? Nobody defended me. There was no witnesses on behalf of the defendant. All you would have is a long line of accusers. But look what he says next. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He had fought the fight. He had finished the course. He had kept the faith. He was unstoppable. He was never absent without leave. He was faithful to the very last breath. And through it all, every day, the pain on the outside, he says, the pain on the inside, I endured. How do we endure? How do we do this? How can I go through this? I, I, you know what? And there's a big part of me that says, you know what? Lord, I know that I need patience, but I don't need as much as Job. Right? None of you ever prayed, Dad? Are you crazy enough to say, I'm praying for patience. Okay, Job, better get you. I don't pray for patience. You know what God does? Gives it to me. And you know how He does it? (laughs) Trial and tribulation. What we deal with right now, every single one of us, is small in comparison to what the Apostle Paul dealt with. And I have to ask you a question. When you endure whatever your tribulation, your turmoil is, are you victorious or you just get through it? Listen, we can, if we understand what Paul understood, you can have victory and triumph, and I don't care what it is. I don't care whether it's external. I don't care whether it's internal. I don't care whether it's spiritual. I don't care if it's emotional. I was reading Linsky, and Linsky says, He had a deep awareness. And I was like, Linsky, dude, get a life. A deep awareness? So we are this text that you and I are looking at 16, 17 and 18 of chapter four is extraordinarily practical. But it's a piece of scripture that I, I believe is so simple and so straightforward that it should be set foundational to us having victorious lives to us saying this is the cost of discipleship. This is what we do. This is why we are here. All else of it is ridiculous. Don't even worry about it. You think about the stress that we put ourselves through on. Where am I going to go for vacation? How much money will I have for vacation? How can I endure this vacation? Will I even get this vacation in? And all the things that you and I, we try to say, I would like to go do these things. I'd like to partake in these things. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, they're irrelevant. They are temporal. Paul saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And he was consumed by it. That blazing glory gave the apostle Paul a whole new view of life. How about you? How about you? What is your view of life? I look at Paul's suffering for the gospel, and I understand the treasure that has been given to us in Holy Scripture. I you look at a line here. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Remember chapter 4, verse 1? Therefore, we have this ministry as we've received mercy. And what happens? We do not lose heart. You know what? I, remember the word? We don't become cowards. We don't become timid. We don't become faint hearted. Weak, hopeless, fearful. We don't do that. Why? I'm looking at the glory of God, the nature and the attributes of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How many in the body of Christ have lost their boldness? How many in the body of Christ have lost their bravery, their courage? How many? Now listen to this. How many have become weary I'm just tired. I need a sabbatical. How many quit? Paul says, (laughs) we don't. We can't. We endure. We do not lose heart. We do not become faint hearted. We do not quit. We do not become cowards. We do not become timid. Why? Because we have this precious treasure. What is the new covenant? The reality that God is manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. I I, I think the the thing that I struggle with right now, I'm going to try to articulate this and I don't don't know if I can do it. Do you... have a realness of the new covenant. Okay. Most of us have, uh, well, I didn't. A lot of you who have raised in the church, you used to hear what? Bible stories. Right? Let me ask you a question. The battle of Gettysburg Is that a story? Historical fact. Right? Then why would I want to listen to Bible stories? It's historical fact. And one of the things that I have watched in the body of Christ... In just the years that I have walked with the king. Is that the average Christian has no realness in the new covenant. It is a Bible story. I I mean, we do the Christmas play and we find one of the little quiet babies we have. So it can be baby Jesus. Okay, and then we end up with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the three wise men. And you know, we're all going wow, that's really awesome. And that, listen, it's cute, but let me pray, I'll tell you something. That ain't the realness. That ain't the realness. You're talking the heavens scream forward, the king. That's the realness. Because you know what? I'm ready for Jesus to return. Okay, and it ain't no story. It ain't some little, you know, what was that? Get behind? Not get behind. Left behind. It ain't none of them things. This thing is legit. And when it happens, everybody's gonna go, oh. Okay, but there'll be a blindness that'll that'll take over. And I'm sitting there going, we're already in, that. Okay, but you listen to this, and all I can hear is the lost people mocking my king. And that is what infuriates me. Is the new covenant real to you? I don't need it to be real to your wife. I don't need it to be real to your kids. I don't need it to be real to your husband. I need it to be real to you. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because the Apostle Paul, I just give it to you. Look what the man's enduring. And he was unshakable. Think about how easily you grow weary. Think about how easily you become discouraged. How easy... Who cares? These people ain't got ears to hear. I need to go to the mission field. Well, you're in it. If you ain't faithful to it here, you'll never go anywhere else. Is the new covenant real to you? Or do you want a spiritual vacation? I'd like to plant a church in Barbados. I think it would be perfect until the hurricanes come. (laughs) Sorry, Lord, I didn't know you didn't want me here. Do we have views of eternal life in the presence of Jesus Christ? Do I live my life viewing God in heaven and the resurrection of all of the redeemed? The glorious truth of the gospel is the new covenant. That's what it is. This is real people. Well, but I no, 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 it's real. You're the one who has the problem. The view to all who believe is should be the view of the Apostle Paul. And if it is, you can't lose heart. You will never grow cowardly. Do you understand at the conclusion of the age, men will not hear sound words, but will heap to themselves teachers who tickle their ears? I've had people say, Terry, your church doesn't grow numerically because you've got Baptists in the name. What? The gates of hell can't stop it, but Baptists can. Hey, there might be theology there. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Maybe they're right. I have never heard to Pete. Well, you teach too long. No, I don't. I've never taught too long. I have. Many times not taught long enough. I should start at nine o'clock in the morning and finish at midnight. Yen? It's what Paul did? Oh, do you know who his worship leader was? God. The reality of knowing Christ is the new covenant truth. And I said that to a lady one time I was flying, I was on my way to England, I was, Moscow by way of London. <laughs> and she found out what I was doing, and I, you know, you pull out a Bible and start reading it on, a, on an airplane, like, well, what's the matter with you? I think this thing's going to crash. <laughs> that always gets everybody's attention. What? <laughs> And, and, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go teach some Russian pastors and spend some time meeting a friend in London. She said, well, what's the difference between a Protestant and a Catholic? <clears throat> All right, let me explain this to you. So it's really simple. Uh, one believes in the authority of the church. The other believes in the authority of Scripture. Well, which of you? I have a Bible in my hand, and I'm not wearing my collarless shirt or anything. Okay? And she says, well, I, I don't understand it. I said, well, the truth of the matter is, In the Catholic church, they believe that if you go to the priest or the bishops or the cardinals or the, I don't know, whatever else they got going there, then you get to know them. And that is your venue into God. I happen to know God personally. What? It gets their attention. But the truth of the matter is, guess what? I happen to know God personally. Well, how can you say that? What his book says. Why? That is the reality of the new covenant. We have fellowship with Jesus Christ. If you are saved this day, you have fellowship with Jesus Christ. You know Jesus Christ personally. Okay? And It is seen because if you know Jesus Christ personally, you're seeing the nature and the character of God manifest in the face of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, man, he is on something. And it's easy to spot a person who's cruising through the world. Why? They look like everybody else cruising through the world. And they tend to be fearful. They tend to be anxious. They tend to be cowardly. They don't have a boldness. Those who know Jesus Christ say, even at this point in my life, I am eternal. I'm immortal right now. I have to get rid of this vessel at some point in time. But God has designated that point in time. I can't add to it. I can't take away from it. Well, but what about your quality of life? I always smile. and Genderly as I can it is better to be quiet and thought stupid than open your mouth and remove all doubt Okay I'm an American I live in this country I have a quality of life that exceeds most of civilization for the history of mankind I don't have to worry about it Psalmist tells me that if I walk in his righteousness I shall never hunger or I shall never thirst I may not understand how he pulls it off but you know what I have never hungered and I have never thirst. A hope of eternity. If I have a hope of an eternity, then I don't have to worry about losing heart. Paul never lost heart. I don't care what the assault was. I don't care what the suffering was. He never stopped. He was never timid. Satan come against him. So? I have a messenger from Satan. Who buffets me, a thorn in my flesh. I'm wanting to go back to Thessalonica. But Satan has put adversaries and obstacles in my path. And I haven't gotten back there yet. But if the Lord wills. He even had the problem of the church. Think about it. I read it to you out of Second Timothy chapter 4. Guess what? At his defense. How many Christians lined up to protest? None. All have forsaken me. In scripture, as I look at it, he never did learn to quit. He never lost heart. Now, listen, I I give it to you. It ain't like there wasn't anguish there. There wasn't heartache there. There wasn't grief there. That's not what I'm saying. It's not saying, hey, get saved. you are being a bed of roses, a child of the king, got your own little private chariot. You know what? And all you're doing is waiting for Jesus to finish up your mansion in heaven. That ain't what I'm saying. I'm saying, if you're truly a minister, guarantee it. You will have heartache. You will have... there. Has anybody ever wondered in the spiritual realm, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I live there. <laughs> and I do. I, don't know. I have people ask me questions. Well, what do you think he's... Th-? I don't know. Well, I thought you were a prophet. I am. But I can't tell you the future except for this one thing. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, there's no excuse. <laughs> See what I'm trying to get at? Why? There's days I don't know. Heck. <laughs> I'm here for the privilege of my king on a human level I cannot think of a human being who endured more than the apostle Paul I really can I mean I would have gone on sabbatical when they stoned me and left me for dead I I would have I wouldn't even gone back into the town I'd say oh Jesus I did my thing I'll wait on you now. Verses 16, 17, and 18 are the secrets of how he endured. And I'll pick that up next week. The only thing I want you out to get, get out of this message right now is this simple truth. Okay? Is the new covenant... Real to you. Okay. I, You know, I. everybody says, well, you're like the old Baptist preacher. You just get up there and you know what? I'm not like the old Baptist preacher. I know a bunch of those guys. The new covenant is real to me. I will not negotiate it. Okay. I ain't here to get you saved. Did you know that? A lot of the Baptist preachers, a lot of the preachers believe they're here to get you saved. And I just look at them and smile and say, Good luck. Alright? But if the this ain't real to you, or if it's just a story, then you know what? I love you, but I can look you in the eye right now and say, You're a coward. You're a coward you will be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I don't want my faith to be what tries to get you in. Because if it ain't real to you, it really don't matter what I believe. Okay? That is the essence of this because we're coming out of what? Who is adequate for this ministry? It is the ministry of the new covenant. And if it ain't real to you... You need to sit down. You need to sit down. And pray that God makes it real to you. That's the simplicity of this text. And that is one of the foundational things on how do you endure? How do you endure? Is the new covenant real? Because for the apostle Paul, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, and he gives you three three secrets here uh, that you've laid out, that I've laid out, and I'll start banging away at them. But I need to understand something here: we do not lose heart. Why? Because it's real. It's real. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our brother Paul, who set set the path before us, even as uh, he followed Christ. Lord. Uh, Strange times we have in this country, and yet, Father, it is for such a time that you have each of us here. Father, let us not be timid, let us not lose heart, let us not grow weak, faint hearted. And Father, may your glory be seen in each of our lives and collectively as we come together as a body in the unity of the person of Christ. Help us, Lord. Help our hearts be overwhelmed by you and you alone. And may our boasting be in the person of Jesus Christ. and Christ alone. To your glory and praise. Amen.